You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. So, dude, what are we going to call this new podcast? I, I think the best thing to do would be to just name it after something in New Japan that everybody loves. What? Like Okada's shorts. That's right. Time for a new podcast, Curtis. How are you feeling about that? Well, I'm feeling pretty good about it, man. I mean, you know, I like New Japan. Mm. You like New Japan, right? I like New Japan. So we're going to talk about it because we're friends who like to talk about wrestling and we're going to talk about New Japan. So tell me about how you like New Japan. Well, before we (laughs) talk about how much we like New Japan, maybe we should let everybody know what we're doing. Uh, Welcome, podcast listener. Welcome to Okada Shorts. It's a, a new New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast. That's NNJPW. <laughs> uh, we're your hosts, the kings of pod style, the international wrestling grand pricks, Curtis and Rafe. I'm Curtis. This is Rafe. Hello. How this y'all is... doing today? Oh, now, <laughs> so what, what were we going to do? We were going to explain to the podcast listener uh, how we got into New Japan? Look, so the, the way this works for everybody is... Curtis and I both do other podcasts. We kind of got thrown together when guest hosting the Super J cast, and it went really well, and people liked it. So we've decided to continue talking about New Japan because we like it. Uh, because we have other podcasts and are real busy, this is going to be real freeform, man. So we've named it after the coolest thing in New Japan, Okada Shorts, and we're just going to talk about cool shit that we like about New Japan. So for this episode... I reckon we just give those people who are not familiar with us a bit of a background into who we are and why we like New Japan. And then we'll break down this sort of first round of the New Japan Cup. Uh, And then we'll be back just before the finals, basically. Anybody that wants to check out our last episode, well, not last episode, but we did a bonus episode on my podcast, uh, Faces and Feels, uh, which was called the New Japan Cup Date. Uh, that is Curtis and I sort of doing... Th- that's like the prequel to this, right? Like that's the prequel episode oh, to this podcast. It's like a proof of concept, really. Mm, proof of concept. Well, there's basically kind of two prequels to this because then you've got to go to the Super J Cast episode where we did our first episode together. Anyway, we'll put all that shit in the show notes. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Everybody's episode can be their first episode. So this is just going to be a little bit of uh, just us shooting the shit because I don't think I even really know, like, say, your full story as to how you got into New Japan. So tell me about it. Do the podcast. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll do the podcast for us. Now, the the thing is, I, I think, yeah, this could be a great first episode. We'll make it a jumping on point for people. Yeah. We'll introduce ourselves. We'll say how we did it. Then we might talk to people who uh, we know who, don't know as much about new japan we'll we'll answer a couple of questions little Mm -hmm. newbie questions for them Mm -hmm. and um help some people to get into the company that we love so much so that can be a lot of fun too 
Uh, it's an episode one for everybody. You don't have to go and read the comic books before you see the movie, like Rafe was suggesting. So you we definitely can just go ahead don't. and talk about it. But if you want to, you can. But that's your choice. <laughs> exactly. It's not we necessary. Would love, we would love for you to check out the episode of Super Jcast we were on. It was awesome. Anyway. So, yeah, my story with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, begins in the early 90s. I was a little kid that was obsessed with uh, things like Power Rangers and Tokusatsu, and I saw Jushin Thunder Liger, and that was it, man. Like, the second I saw that dude, I said, I don't know where he wrestles, but everywhere he wrestles, I want to watch him wrestle. Um, after after that, on WCW, I saw um, Tenzon and Yuji Nagata and uh, Masa, my hero, Chono, and um, from there, I was just hooked, man. I've I've kind of fell out with it uh, in the mid two thousands ish, um, and then around the fortieth anniversary, I remember it was Okada and Naito for the IWGP Heavyweight Title. That match sucked me right back in. Mm-hmm. I was I, I had I really no idea who Okada was really no idea who Naito was. I, I knew the people from, you know, 2000 and uh, I was like, Oh, they're kind of their dads now and stuff. I don't really, Oh my God, Naito and Okada, look at these two studs going at it. And it's, that's the wrestling I've watched ever since then. Quick fact I, about I, that I, match. Your boy was in the building. You're kidding me, right? No, hundred percent. That's one of my top five favorite matches of all time, and you got to watch it live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which one we talk about? Wrestle Kingdom? No, 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 no. The uh, 40th anniversary uh, 40th anniversary match. Um, it was it was Okada Naito's first match since uh, returning from Oc- uh, Excursion, 2012. Oh, uh, see, uh, we're already fucking it up. Do we just restart the podcast at this stage? Because I clearly wasn't oh. listening to my coach. <laughs> I was at their their Wrestle Kingdom match. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... You know what? We're not going to restart the podcast because I don't claim to be no, an expert okay. about shit, so fuck it. Um, that <laughs> match you're talking about is also amazing. Uh, I just had it in my head that we were talk about the thing that I saw because I like to talk about myself. So, sorry about that. <laughs> well, I mean, every time Naito and Okada are in the same ring together, they make magic, so... Yes. I mean, you, you, you can definitely just pick and choose an, an Okada Naito match. Really, it's amazing. Yeah, it's but a pick I can and mix. I can one hundred percent understand why that would draw you right in. You know, and that that's the thing that's so cool about New Japan as well is like the whole young line system and the investment they have in their talent. You know, that you can go back and you can see them from you know very young age, essentially through their entire careers. You know. One of my favorite things to do is uh, when I go back and watch older matches is to spot the young lions, mm-hmm. you know, and you just, Oh, look at little Hiromu. Yeah. With yeah. His little shaved head. Exactly. You and know, they're like at ringside and stuff, big matches. They're like down and stuff, you, you know, because of COVID and stuff, you don't really see like the, the, the faces anymore, obviously, because then, you know, wearing the masks and stuff. I remember, you know, mm-hmm. seeing um, matches and seeing Okan and, and her, uh, Hanare and stuff like, and, you know, Juice and Jay White and all these guys, you know, like, like at ringside, it's a little bit harder to pick them now. One of, one of my, uh, on my other podcast, the Smart Foundation podcast, I was reviewing uh, my favorite G1 matches mm-hmm. uh, while, while the G1 was going on last year. And uh, one of them was 
Masahiro Chono and uh, Kijimuto from 1992. And just looking at the people that were around the match, uh, it was Dusty Rhodes was there. Inoki was there. Uh, Shinya Hashimoto was there. Uh, I think Tenzan was a young lion at the time and he was there. Like it was just like um, spot the, you know, spot the megastar. It was really cool. Spot the future legend. (laughs) A fun game to play. Um, So tell me, man, uh, I have never really asked you this either. So we, we talk about you seeing um, Jushin Thunder Liger, you know, on WCW and stuff. How did you even Mm -hmm. get into wrestling? So like, oh man, that's a good one. Yeah, my dad is a straight up redneck, like just Georgia <laughs> redneck, start to finish. Like he he's one of those guys who's like, you know, works all day, comes home, falls asleep on the couch watching wrestling every yeah, day. Right. So you you just grew and, up with it. Yeah, I think I think it was built into my it was built into my DNA. I was either going to get the wrestling gene or the NASCAR gene. And yeah. I think I lucked out and got the wrestling gene because I'm just not into NASCAR at all. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. There's, there's two choices you can make. Yeah. Uh, and I, I took the path less traveled by. So that's, it's such a different sort of come up in wrestling than me, because obviously I'm Australian and you are American. So for you, you kind of grew up with it in your DNA and it's on TV and your dad's watching it and things like that. For me, I didn't get into it like that. Well, it wasn't on TV, you know, like we, how did I discover it? So um, I remember at school, a kid like had a wrestling magazine, like a WWF magazine. You know how kids like swap shit all the time? I like had a paint marker, they called a Posca. It was bright yellow. I swapped off somebody else. Cool for graffiti, I guess. I don't know. I was a little kid. I didn't care. Um, and the kid wanted it and was like, I'll swap you my magazine. And on the front, there's Hulk. And I'm like, I'll check, check it out. So I'm going to read whatever. And I got it. And I remember flipping through it and there's like a full page, like spread of like the ultimate warrior, you know, juice to the gills, like losing his mind. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then, uh, we used to go to our weekend, like weekly video store uh, we'd go on the weekends and they'd do a thing which is like seven weeklies for $7. And so once a, a video is no longer new release, it would be a weekly, which would be, you know, a couple of bucks instead of six. Uh, and so you get seven weeklies for $7, a dollar each, and you can pick whatever you want. And everybody would sort of, in the family, would get to pick something. And I remember seeing the cover for WrestleMania 9. And I said to my dad, can I get this? He goes, oh, yeah, that's cool. I used to like a bit of wrestling, you know, when I was a kid or, or however. He had seen some. And so my dad watched it with me. And like by the end of that show, you know, it's the Caesars Palace one. It's outside, Undertaker coming in on a chariot, Bobby Heenan backwards on elephants, Shawn Michaels is there, you know, Hulk and Barber Beefcake, all that kind of stuff. I was like about it. So every time we'd go to the video shop to get the weeklies and stuff, I'd get different stuff. I'm picking, you know, Legion of Doom on uh, on the cover and I'm watching Survivor Series and all this stuff. So then I just started seeking it out myself because nobody I know, like, knows about it. I don't even know who that kid was, you know what I mean? He wasn't, like, a friend or whatever. Uh, and so we just started, like, finding it, you know. I found, I found the up-to-date WWF magazine in my local newsagent. So I used to buy that. Like, my, my um, 
my grandma when she was alive, like when I was a little kid, she used to, whenever we would go to her house, we'd always go to the museum and she'd get her, you know, crossword puzzles and stuff and she'd always buy me a magazine or whatever, or a comic book. And so she would just buy me the WWF magazine, like every single one. And so I would just read about it and read about Monday Night Raw and stuff and then get into it. And then my dad started getting into it with me and then by that time we were at Attitude Era, so like next thing coming out is like WrestleMania 13 and the guy's putting it aside for us as soon as it comes out so we can get it and, you know, eat fast food, Hungry Jack's here, Burger King for you uh, and like, and watch wrestling. And then like everybody else, I got out of it when I was like in uni and in bands and, you know, and things like that. And it wasn't until much later uh, that I started, was flipping through channels and saw I think it was Seth Rollins curb stomp Randy Orton through a cinder block and I was like what's going on now like <laughs> started <laughs> I don't a, remember cinder block matches yeah yeah I know exactly I I would then go on to see many in my forays into the deathmatch world but <laughs> the, um, but the yeah that kind of got me back in and my wife and I started getting right back into WWE and then that's sort of led to me listening to podcasts and stuff about it because now the business is exposed and people are talking about stuff and you can just listen to shows all about it and I start to learn about Ring of Honor and New Japan and hear about the Bullet Club and stuff and then I watched the video promo for um, AJ Styles versus Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom. Yes. And I, I don't know who Nakamura is but you see him and he's like so charismatic and he's sort of like laid out on this couch and the belt's draped next to him and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And I watched that Wrestle Kingdom and then from that minute, like I was just about it, like from then on. And then we'd go on to, you know, get my wife into it and my other friend Momo and stuff like that and we would travel to Japan many times and see quite a bit of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is why I assumed what you were talking about was what I was talking about because I was because uh, that match was the very first Wrestle Kingdom we saw, Okada versus Naito in the Dome, and it was unbelievable. You know what I mean? To go there and to, to see that, it was Jericho and Kenny Omega, like in the semi-main and stuff like that. And then we saw every Wrestle Kingdom from then until COVID ruined all our lives, basically. Oh. Not to bring it down, but. Because <laughs> <laughs> if people need a reminding about anything right now, it's COVID. Yeah, I should have uh, brought no, that up. But, yeah. That's, that's a, a beautiful story. And you, you have a lot better access to, to Japan uh, from where you're at because you're in almost the same time zone, aren't you? Yes. Uh, I'm only an hour behind Japan, I think. So, yeah, if they start a show at five, it starts at four here. So do you ever, do you ever get to like find Japanese, uh, like transmissions of, of like the television shows and stuff like that? Do you get to catch TV Asahi? Um, not just like, I mean, I could like on the internet and stuff and thanks to Faces and Fields podcast sponsor NordVPN, I could probably, <laughs> probably get to it and stuff like that. But I tend to do most of my work, like, you know, most of the stuff I watch is through New Japan World. Oh, speaking of, we have a question. Oh, dude, we've uh, already got questions. We've got, oh, we've got questions. Uh, so we got a question from friend of the show, Ryan Doze. 
is the host of a comic book podcast called Across the Bifrost. It's all about uh, Mighty Thor, his movies, his adventures in comic books, things like that. And uh, Ryan has been a guest on my Smart Foundation podcast. Uh, he's also a personal friend. He says, how does someone in the States watch New Japan Pro Wrestling? And I mean, that's pretty newbie question but this is a pretty newbie podcast so i figured it'd be a thing that we can talk about uh, new japan world it's it's just like the wwe network or peacock or whatever you've got over there it's it's really easy to navigate really easy to to find big matches you're looking for and i i don't know why people don't uh search it out more often like the second it launched i was there I, I, I was so tired of having to find links to Vimeos and things like that to try and watch matches. Uh, I, I was so happy. And I, I, I didn't, I don't really have WWE Network. I've never paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, other people have loaned me theirs, mm-hmm. you know, but whatever. Um, so when, when people start, you know, when, when people showed me uh, Okada and Naito, I would search it out, search it out, search it out. And then, New Japan World came around and it is beautiful. They have almost every uh, almost every event like live. They've got uh, alternate Japanese and English commentary for al- almost every event. Sometimes the English commentary gets uploaded a little later. That's fine. Uh, they've they've got documentaries which are fun to watch. They've got backstage comments which are fun to watch. They've got. American shows that they produce that are done with uh, uh, an entire different set of wrestlers that are on excursion in America. Um, anytime that you see a New Japan wrestler in another um, sister promotion like Rev Pro Wrestling or AEW Impact, something like that, they'll have those matches. Not the show, not the whole show, but the the matches. You know, you'll see Jay White's Impact matches on New Japan World. You'll see. Um, Will Ospreay defending, you know, this belt or that belt in RevPro on New Japan World. It's it's a beautiful. It's a, a great hub to have everything in one spot. Now, one of the one of the cooler things about New Japan World is they also have a giant back catalog. Yeah. So you huge. can find amazing matches from throughout the history of New Japan World. You can find everything from Inoki, Hiroshi Hase, uh just whatever you're looking for. I quite often just get in a rabbit hole. Like the other day I was just looking for anything that was uh, Milano collection AT. I, I don't know why I was just in the mood to watch Milano collection AT matches. Um, but yeah, uh, Union, his, his tag team that he had with uh, Tai Chi. I was just watching anything I could find with Milano collection AT and Tai Chi as a tag team. So much fun. The, the, the breadth of new Japan's, tape library is not on there so unfortunately it is uh it's still being updated i wish they would update a little bit faster but there is new stuff added all the time so it's not that big a deal and and if you're a newbie it's got plenty for you to explore on there and they're putting up like every new event basically you know what i mean there's a couple of like uh road shows and tour shows they don't put up but usually that's because there's nothing super going on you know it's just uh a basic sort of multi-tag, you know, small town show and stuff like that. But yep. they're, they're constantly updating it and it's really easy to use. Like when I first signed up to mine, I remember it being a little bit challenging because I sort of didn't really have like the English page and stuff. I had like a PDF with 
you know the the instructions of how to sort of do it you know what i mean where what the credit what the kanji meant to go to this spot and do the credit card and you know and all that kind of stuff but now because it's like the english tab and everything it's pretty easy to sign up as well yeah 100% uh like if you if you looked at new japan world when it first started like you said it was it was 100% in japanese um i've got i've got the uh, amazon fire stick and they've got an app on okay. the fire stick it's like the a smart tv app so it's just one click and i'm on new japan world it's pretty fantastic it's all in english um one thing about that is it's only on the amazon fire stick which is why i got an amazon fire stick but it's uh kind of crappy i guess that in japan it's apps and smart tvs and things like that aren't such a big deal like people are more into terrestrial channels, like watching actual TV than they are streaming services. Yeah. So it's not like people don't really care, but like if, if you're wanting to expand into a Western audience, this is the way to do it, man. Make your, make your app of it more available. Exactly. But I mean, what, there's definitely, there's definitely like things they can do to make it better. Uh, and they're definitely working on that content wise, but it is like the same site that they've had forever. So it, you know, it's maybe not as polished as some other ones, but hey, the content is there, which is awesome. And as far as English content goes as well, there's a ton of stuff like documentaries and extra stuff because you also get like uh, things like Farley's new documentary, Lion's Raw, which uh, documents uh, his dojo in New Japan, which is really, um, yeah, his New Japan dojo in New Zealand is what I should be saying. Uh, which is really interesting, learning about those up-and-coming young lines. And then they also do the Strong Show, which is the American New Japan show that started mm-hmm. quite humbly during lockdowns and stuff and has become really good uh, as well. So Yeah, I think Strong just started as a, a way to pay the people that were yep. stuck over in America, get, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of people doing empty, empty arena shows. And about, what was it, episode 50, I think, they... Um, they they started doing live crowd shows. It's been a lot of fun since then. They've had a lot of uh, big matches with a lot of really cool wrestlers. And I've I've uh, personally discovered a bunch of wrestlers from America and from England that I've never heard of before that uh, have shown up on Strong that I'm I'm big fans of now. Uh, I I really really love uh, Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. Mm-hmm. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um and like yeah I'm I'm super fan found him on found him on strong and now i'll i'll watch you know as many shows as i can with him in it like anytime he's on blood sport for gcw i'm there you know all sorts of stuff i i love dickinson and uh he's about to make his uh he's, he was injured recently at a new japan show in uh, october i believe and yeah. he's about to make his way back soon so i'm very excited for that absolutely chris dickinson's an absolute weapon if you haven't seen him before like check him out <laughs> he's a monster Dude, he's he's like every like badass 80s dude like yeah. just rolled into one he even yeah. comes out with kurt russell's uh tank top from big trouble in little china yeah like i think a weapon is the best way to put it yeah just hard body karate man like yeah. just ready to rumble exactly and Love he gets it. it too like even like his sort of gear i've heard him say before you know like those boots and stuff are literally you know referencing dr death steve williams you know like that's mm-hmm. that's the the vibe he wants to give and that he definitely achieves so <laughs> that's killer i can't believe we had a question on our first episode oh we've got multiple questions multiple i did some questions. homework oh my god yeah okay. and prepare friend, a friend of the podcast sean bratton has asked uh he just 
asked how, how they get access to English versions of the show, of every show. Um, like I said, on New Japan World, you can find, uh, they'll put up almost every uh, almost every show. If you're looking at the New Japan World website, it's got a breakdown of their schedule uh, and shows that have happened throughout the month. And you'll see Japanese feed, English feed. Just click on one of those and watch them. The Japanese feed is sometimes a lot of fun to listen to because those guys go buck wild. Yeah, the Japanese screaming at the top of their lungs. Yeah, it, it is so much fun. Um, it depends on the vibe I'm feeling. You know what I mean? For for actual, you know, aura and like feeling like you're there. Like the the Japanese feed is really awesome. But for general, you know, you wanting to get knowledge and the stories and stuff like that. Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton do an awesome job on the English commentary. So you kind of get a bit of best of both worlds there. I do. I do love Chris Charlton. I've got a couple of books by him. The guy is just he's he's a absolute powerhouse when it comes to new japan's history its yeah. legacy and storylines i love that guy and and kevin kelly i think he's one of the best announcers in the game 100 percent, 100 he's so good so one other thing that sean has asked uh he says knowing nothing about the feuds or the wrestlers right now how hard do you think it would be for a newbie to drop in not at all at the moment it's kind of like i mean new japan isn't super deep story-wise anyway, uh, for the most part, it's pretty simple to follow. You know, it's mostly kind of sports-based anyway, so yeah, they're about, you know, being the best. Um, the And then you, as long as you know sort of, well, and you can learn that pretty quickly too, sort of like the factions, you kind of know who's opposed and stuff. Uh, it's nice and easy. And then right now... It Wrestle Kingdom sort of resets everything on January 4th kind of thing, sort of set to the status quo for the year. And then now uh, we're heading into New Japan Cup or uh, in New Japan Cup, which is sort of like the first big kind of storyline for the year. So it's, it's Wrestle Kingdom and there's like a bunch of stuff. Usually it's Fantastic and Mania when CMLL can tour and stuff, which is kind of like a considered a not really story-based time anyway. It's not, it's not yeah, it's just fun, you know, kind of matches and stuff. And then once you hit New Japan Cup, things start to, you know, get cooking. And with uh, New Japan as well, they'll sort of base everything around those events. So you'll have, like, New Japan Cup, Best of the Super Juniors, World Tag League, G1, and then Wrestle Kingdom. So, you know, those kind of things. So at the moment, we're in the midst of this tournament, uh, and that will work out who the next contender is for the title essentially. Yeah. I think if, if a newbie wanted to drop in right now and they said, where should I start? Just go ahead start. and just watch yeah. of New Japan yeah, just, Cup. just watch wrestle kingdom, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah. Say, yeah. Uh, Actually, you, no, you'd, you'd really watch wrestle kingdom. Yeah. You absolutely would watch those, those shows. And then you're, you're set and then you can skip over everything and jump straight into, well, actually straight into Yeah. New Japan Cup. Yeah. New Japan Cup. If you want to, you can drop in for that Okada Naito match. I was about to say, if you, I was trying to keep streamline it. I'm like, if you wanted to see a banger match, you could also go go to Golden Series to see that. But really, you could watch Wrestle Kingdom, understand where everybody is, and then start the New Japan Cup, and you're you're set. You haven't missed anything. You you are good to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. That's a great way to be. So another question that Sean's asked is. How is New Japan different from something like WWE or AEW? What do you think? Um, I would say just their entire presentation is different. 
just in like it's a it's a very sports based feel. New Japan calls itself the king of sports, and they as a result they treat it that way. So they take it very seriously. They promote it that way. They do after match comments. Like it's very competitive. You know, there's less of like dramatic storylines and stuff like that. That's why when the previous question was like, will, where will I jump in or whatever in the storyline, that doesn't terribly matter because you can pick up on it pretty quick because usually the storyline is, I'm versing this dude, I'm going to be better than him, you know? But mm-hmm. there is like and- overarching sort of rivalries and histories that they pay homage to over time and you'll get to learn those as it goes because the the history is so long. Like I say, a lot of these guys are with New Japan from when they're young lions, and that can even be from straight out of high school. So they spend their entire careers there. They'll be young lion. They'll wrestle. They'll wrestle other guys from their young lion class. Some of which will go on to have rivalries throughout their entire career. You know, like their first match as new uh, as new young lions was against each other. Then they went on and they, you know, were five five each or whatever, and then. They both went on excursion, and this guy went here to Mexico, and this other guy went to the UK, and then they came back, and then now it's X amount of years later, and this guy's the champion, and this guy's coming from, you know, that kind of stuff. But the good thing that the English commentary does is you've got guys like Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton who know their stuff, do their research, and they're always telling those stories. I'm always learning new stuff about... The characters, yeah. I am not the wrestlers. I am. I'm not like a big historian type dude. I'm not somebody that's going to go back and like watch it all from the start or like read heaps of extra articles and, and stuff like that. I just don't have the time. I used to be, and I definitely have that in me. In that, like, I'm a comic book fan and and things like that. And when I delve into stuff, I can be that person who's like, I need to do everything and like, like watch it all. But I let go of it with wrestling because there's just not enough time in the day. So I think they do a great job developing that over time and telling those stories in the ring. Like literally while you're watching it, the commentary will tell you about it. What would you say? I think that probably sums up pretty well. Yeah, really uh, it does. I think one of the, one of the cooler things about, New Japan is that there's levels to the storytelling. You can you can watch it as a casual fan, just 100%, watch the match 100%. and get a story. You can watch it and watch the backstage reactions and things like that, the backstage interviews, um, which which are completely different from WWE or AEWs. Um, for the most part, it's just they finish the match, they go to a staged area in the back, and they give about 30 or 40 seconds about their thoughts about the match and things like that while they're puffing it's, and it sweaty really, and like like in the moment which is really well, it's cool manly. Huh? it's so manly yeah it is and, very uh, manly. yeah yeah they'll, they'll talk about you know oh i i really wish that i had been able to overcome today um next time i have a plan that sort of thing and they move on to the next to the next match it's always the best way to put it is that it's more realistic. It is like having someone coming off the field after they just scored a touchdown and saying, what do you feel? And the, the person going, yeah, I think we played pretty good today. I think we're going to play pretty good tomorrow. Uh, we need to put pucks in the net. We need to uh, get the ball downfield, whatever. It's, it's that sort of storytelling. It's not really, 
um, you know, my, my sister is your brother and we're going to have, you know, a baby together and we're taking half the company. Yeah. You know, like, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's not much all, more all that dramatic stuff from American, uh, wrestling. And then when they yeah. tend to have beef with each other, when it becomes personal in that, it tends to be in a competitive kind of nature, you know, like it's, <laughs> you got the best of me this time, but I'll show you next time kind of thing. And they do do that kind of little bit more personal stuff. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, that's kind of the general thing. And I think you summed it up well. The layers is what makes it really cool. Because I there's, like, stuff I learn about it all the time because the, the like, history is so long. Like, you, you said, you're saying that Milano and Tai Chi used to be tag partners. I didn't know that, and I've been watching it for a long time. I know he constantly, like, they constantly interact with each other, you know, like Tai Chi's mm-hmm. in the ring and he references him and blah, 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 and there's all these little things, and I just thought that was like an ongoing, you know, cheeky thing between commentary and and the wrestler in the ring. And then to learn that they go that far back doesn't even surprise me, you know, because of course they did, because their comment, their guy on commentary, Milano, used to be a wrestler, so... Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, super it's, interesting. they were a really, really good tag team too. I was watching a, um, a match the other day with them versus Apollo Gogo, uh, Apollo Fifty Five, um, which is Taguchi and Prince Devitt, yeah. uh, Finn Balor from the WWE, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, tons of fun, great match. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if oh, you can find it, it exactly. Find so, it. so that's a thing, right? That's how I go back and I watch old stuff. There'll be a direct reference to something. Uh, in the commentary or a friend will tell me and they'll go, oh, cool, I'll go look for it. But I'm not really the kind of person that will just go, I'm going to go all the way back and, you know, start from the start or whatever. So you can get as much out of it as you want to get out of it, which is what's really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so easy to get lost inside of those sort of, inside of those sort of uh, rabbit holes because with every story every match tells its own story and it adds to a bigger story. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing like the, the roots of the tree, the tree and the branches and the leaves, you know, you're seeing the whole arc. So, um, you know, there've been some pretty huge narrative arcs recently in new Japan, uh, like Naito becoming the double gold dash winner a couple of years ago, uh, winning both the intercontinental and the heavyweight belt, becoming the first person to hold both of them. It was this big, huge overcoming moment for Naito when he's kind of seemed like someone who was on the back burner at times in uh, in New Japan. Uh, they've, there's been a great ongoing story recently between uh, El Desperado, the current junior heavyweight champion, and uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, they came up as young lions together. Uh, Hiromu was a little bit younger. He achieved faster than Desperado once uh, once Desperado came back from excursion. And now Desperado's finally getting back to catching up to the same level as uh, Hiromu and some might say even surpassing him. So it's been really fun to see those two jockey for position for, you know, the absolute ace of their junior division. People are talking about which one's going to jump to heavyweight first. Do they need to jump to heavyweight? It's been a lot of fun and their, their matches are always different and always just intense as hell to watch. Um, You've seen a lot of, um, storytelling recently the the big one was okada and kenny omega 
they had a series of four singles matches over about the space of two years and each one of them just added and added and added until they had what some people would say is the best wrestling match of all time. The, the, the seven star match where Kenny Omega finally won the IWGP heavyweight championship. It's, it's that sort of storytelling. It's not someone getting, you know, you stole my car and that sort of thing. It's an intense level of storytelling that is told in the ring. Mm -hmm. It's not anything personal except for the fact that you beat me and I want to prove that I'm better than you. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. The stories that they tell in the ring and the references that they give to their own matches and callbacks to previous matches to show how they've mm-hmm. like learnt from their you know opponent's offense and stuff. He beat me that way the last time, and then this time he's got a counter for it and things like that. It really, they do like nobody else, and it's very rewarding uh, to learn it. But... You don't need to, which is a great thing. You can just watch it surface level and just see great, hard-hitting, physical, competitive wrestling. And then as, over time, you'll just naturally, through osmosis, learn that. You're like, oh, wait, I watched the last time they versed, and that's how he beat him. But look at that. He he was ready for it and had something else. And, you know, yeah, Yeah. they they do a great job, man. They do an absolutely great job. It's the difference between... Uh, New Japan's booking and, and American style booking, I think is a leftover from how American style bookers used to book a territory. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd, you'd run like on, on WWE television or AEW television, you'll see people having match after match after match on weekly television. And you can kind of get burnt out on that. But that's, that's just because, you know, that's a, that's an, uh, an antique or a leftover from when they used to run that sort of booking pattern. You'd run it in North Carolina, then South Carolina, then West Virginia, then Virginia. Then, you know, you're, you're going all along that little territory and you're running the same match every night, but it's a different audience every night. Yeah. And New Japan is still running like a traveling company, but what they'll do is they have, uh, instead of having that same singles match every night, they'll have multi-man tags and things like that. So you can have three or four dudes uh, per side. Each one of them has their own story with someone else who's on the other side, uh, two different uh, two different factions warring and things like that. And you'll get little interactions uh, within the match that are always a little bit interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you might see a junior heavyweight pin a heavyweight. And you go, oh my God, where's that going to lead? Yeah. You know, or you'll see, um, you know, this, this guy who's just a tag team wrestler might pin the champion. And he says, you know what? I just pinned the champion. I'm going to challenge for your belt now. And that's where you go on to the next, uh, yeah. to the next show. And, they and can it, have it's, a, it's pretty cool when that stuff happens. Cause sometimes it can come out of nowhere a little bit and they can use it to set up. Like you can skip all those tags, those road to shows and things like that, but there will be little details when you watch it. You know, I think the, an example I can think of with that, I remember, I don't remember if it was in a tournament or in a tag, but I remember Will Ospreay at the time was a junior and he pinned the open weight champion. And I remember him, like, uh, as the never champion, never open weight champion, got out of the ring. I remember Will, like, hitting on the belt that was on the mat. And he's like, that's right, I'm next. I'm next now, like, kind of thing. And that began his sort of ascendance into the world of heavyweight 
And so in mm. New Japan, there is this juniors, junior heavyweight, and then heavyweight, uh, and they have separate divisions. You know, they'll they'll do little crossovers in tags and sometimes in tournaments, like the current one we're doing now has both in it. But for the most part, they try and keep them separate. And what that does, and what even just doing the multi-man tags does, means that those special singles matches don't get worn out. You know, like they don't uh, get constantly burned out. You're not tuning in. You're going, oh, I'm watching Okada and Naito again. You know what I mean? They won't touch yep. for months, you know, like <laughs> sometimes like a, a year. And there'll be top guys within that company that have still not really gone at it. And you're like, when is this match going to happen? You know, and they yeah, save I'm still, it up. I'm still, personally, I'm still personally waiting for Will Ospreay and Naito. I think that they're going to have a banger someday yeah, very yeah. shortly. I, like, have they ever wrestled? Like, I can't think... I'm trying to think if they've been against each other in a tournament. I think they've even been in the same tournaments, but they've been on opposite sides of the bracket, right? Like, I don't it's think... It's a very protected match. Yeah, it's exactly. And so they've just got two of their sort of top guys who have never even... Like, they've maybe had little interactions in tags, but they haven't just burnt that match. And they do that all the time. And it, it leads mm-hmm. to that suspense bringing up over time. So, anyway, a very long-winded and answer to that question, but it it gives you an example of how deep you can go with it if you want to. But again, you can just watch very competitive, fun wrestling by just turning on a, a match. You know. Yep. Um, talking about the championships and the divisions, uh, Angel, a friend of the podcast, Angel, uh, has asked, "How many championships are there? What are the the championship belts?" In New Japan. And I wonder who they are as well, because there's certain belts I was thinking about it as we were talking about. I'm like, who the fuck's the junior tag team? Well, let's, let's start at the bottom. Okay. Let's then. start at the bottom with, um, let's go with New Japan Strong. Okay. Currently, there's one belt on New Japan Strong, which is their American affiliate. That's the uh, Strong Openweight Champion. It is someone who can be either heavyweight or junior heavyweight. Currently held by uh, Filthy Tom Lawler. Mm-hmm. And... Uh- He's a man there that I is. watched wrestle in basically the building underneath mine about a year or two ago. <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago, there was a, a local wrestling promotion brought him and Lowkey in. And like, if you go down Ooh. the street, like to street level from my apartment, and walk two buildings down, you walk into like a Masonic Hall or whatever, and they just had a wrestling ring in there. And I got to see Filthy Tom versus Lowkey, like right next to my house, and it was. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, like hey, why is this here? I was like, how is this happening? Like, it was insane. I don't know how they afforded to have them and they were there, but yeah, he would then go on to uh, be on strong and yeah, has been their champion for quite a quite a time now with his faction team. It's filthy. been almost, almost a year. Wow. Okay. I yep. think. Mm-hmm. He's defended it quite a few times. He's defended it against Rosser. He's defended it, uh, Fred Rosser, who's the former Darren Young in WWE. Mm-hmm. He's um, defended it against Ren Narita, who's a uh, currently a young lion on excursion to America. Is, has He's he graduated against- yet? Has he, is he considered graduated from new, uh, a young lion, or is he? Is he it's kind of it's a bit he, murky. Well, he graduated from he graduated from the Japanese dojo to the LA dojo. Yeah, I guess. Right. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, uh, the uh, some of the other LA dojo guys have graduated. They've got uh, they've got some colorful outfits and things like that. Now maybe we should explain the the young lion system. Mm, actually, we should we should do that. 
Okay, let's go. We'll go with reference young line system. Let's go through the belts and then we'll we'll come okay. back to it. But yeah, okay. Rendered is a little bit hard because he just dresses like Shibata, who dresses like a young lion. So, yeah. <laughs> so you'd never know because he just wears the black trunks and boots. But we'll come back to that. So strong so champion, strong open weight mm-hmm. champion. Yes. Uh, we go to the belts in Japan. We have the never open weight six men championships, mm-hmm. which is a open weight championship. So you can be juniors or heavyweights. It's a trios belt. It's a six man belt. Um, it's, it's usually it'll be held by one faction and uh, they'll, they'll have that, you know, those inter, uh, not interfactionary rivalries, but they'll, they'll rival with another faction. And it's just a, a way to make sure that you can add a little bit extra spice to those multi-man tags that are happening uh, on road to Sapporo show, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, and sometimes they'll do something like a gauntlet match, which will be like six different uh, trios teams, and it will start with, you know, sort of random who it is. It'll be two teams, and then when one team beats the other, another team enters, which are really fun matches that I wish they would do more of. But, I mean, these belts can be pretty neglected. I mean... Just until recently, they were, like, in Toriyano's cupboard for, like, a year. Like, you didn't even see them on shows. The champions didn't even walk out with the belts. I was like, did they just, like, write these belts out of the show? And then suddenly they were back and they had, like, a huge run with the Chaos Faction, you know, defending them and putting on heaps of cool matches. So, yeah. yeah. That, they that, were, was a pretty, you know, that was a pretty baller tag team, too. The, uh, you had Tomohiro Ishii. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi uh, holding yes. his first belt ever in New Japan after like 12 years. Yeah. And that's that was a really good tag team. You've got a bunch of beefy dudes. You got two beefy dudes and and Yoshihashi's strikes are completely underrated. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, he looks very confused and nervous, but he's he's quite good in the ring. He just when he comes out he looks like if he, he's like where did I park my car? He, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> look like a wrestler. He looks like a dude who's just got a goofy like anime haircut and like you know, everybody else that's watching has the same has the same body as he does because there's really not a lot of definition or anything no, like that. He no. does not look like a wrestler, yeah. but man, he can throw a chop. I'll tell you what, yeah. he can't. He's very underrated in the ring because of like just like even if you see promo shots of him, if you just quickly Google uh, his name right now, you'll see a very confused looking man. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't look badass at all. He's, but yeah, he's Yoshihashi's he's come a long way. He was utter trash for a time but he's he's really applied himself and kind of won over the hearts and minds of a lot of fans um after the who are are the current champions do you know is it house of torture so the hot boys it is house of torture the hot boys yeah Uh, it's a show and evil and yujiro takahashi okay yeah cool no worries so yeah that is uh they've sort of been put on that faction and they will keep that going. So I guess the next step then, I don't know if it's in order, but since we're in Never, is then the Never Openweight Champion. Uh, that belt was sort of designed to be an open weight belt that anybody can challenge for. It sometimes is, but mostly it's kind of considered like the strong style belt, like the big tough boy hard hitting belt. At the moment, is it held by Evil? It is held by yeah, Evil currently. Hot has like all of the never stuff. So if you don't want to watch House of Torture, you can never watch their matches and never see these titles. But <laughs> but I don't know. They've been improving for me. 
Yeah, uh, Yujiro Takahashi's match against Naito was was pretty good. You were yeah, right yeah. about that one. Exactly. We'll, we'll come um, to that when we'll we talk a little bit, but that sort of won me over a little bit towards them. Then what's after that? Uh, so after that, I think the next belt up would be the U.S. title, yep. Big Red. Mm-hmm. So the Big Red. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they, I, uh, I have a photo of myself holding that on this wall right here. Um, when I met Cody, he let me hold it. That was pretty fun. Um, that was... I feel like they invented that title like as they were starting to expand into US and wanting to do more US shows. Uh, I'm pretty sure they sort of just invented it to give Kenny Omega a belt. Uh, so yeah, it, was very, it was a consolatory belt for Kenny Omega, for sure. Yeah, exactly, because they're like, this guy is like one of the best wrestlers in the world and we need to put something on him, but he can't be the champion right now. And also, yeah. as we do more American shows, we'll have a title you know, for the American people. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of what it was for. And then putting it on Kenny Omega first was really smart. The the tournament that they had was great. That final match to decide between uh, Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii, oh, both are huge crown favorites. Both can absolutely go. I mean, anyone who's watched AEW has seen a, a Kenny Omega match knows how much fun he is to watch. If you've ever seen a Tomohiro Ishii match, you know... Uh, well, if you've seen one Tomohiro Ishii match, you've seen all the Tomohiro Ishii matches. And every one he's of them is great. Yeah. He's, he's a boulder. He will hit you like a train. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's hard to knock down. He's hard to keep down. And uh, he'll hit you hard and keep you down. Mm. So One of my favorite of uh, Ishii Kenny Omega moments was, I believe, in a G1. And they're on the apron facing inwards, right? So they're facing the ropes. There's a table behind them, and Kenny Omega is trying to get Ishii's arms up behind his head so he can, you know, um, snap suplex him back off the apron through a table. And he gets one arm, and he gets the other, but then Ishii bites the rope, and then he can't get him because the stone pit bull has, like, his teeth on the rope, and he can't thing. Uh, And I just thought that was a great little character moment for Ishii because he's just this hard-headed, they call him the stone pit bull, and he's just this rabid little dog that will not stop, and I, I like him quite a lot. Oh, he's just, a, he's just a, like a dump truck with arms, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No neck whatsoever. Um, no neck. And then after the US, there is the... Junior you didn't you didn't say who was the current oh, US title holder. That is because I don't know. <laughs> Sonata. Sonata oh, is oh that's US right. Team. Sonata. Sonata got his first belt. Uh yay Sonata. He looks very good with it. Uh I look forward to some quite mediocre matches uh to do with that belt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, the um, next belt, yeah, the junior heavyweight belt, mm-hmm. currently held by El Desperado, who's mm-hmm. an absolute ace. Um, anytime the dude has a, a singles match, whether it's for the belt right. or not, must see television. Yeah, exactly. El Desperado he's is the best. A, oh, gosh. He's one of the best in ring storytellers that I think I've ever seen. He's and he just gets better every single time. We're gonna we won't go too crazy on Desperado now because we're definitely gonna make sure we speak about uh, the New Japan Cup and he versus Okada in just I don't know my match of the year so far. I think like I, I really enjoyed it. Um, we also is, yeah. need to speak about the junior tag. Are they still a thing? Who has it? 
they are still a thing. The junior tag belts are currently held by Team 6 or 9, Ryusuke Taguchi, my wife's favorite wrestler. That's right. And master wado oh that's right see i lost track of it when the flying tigers lost it when my uh countryman uh, robbie eagles and the legend tiger mask lost it i lost track of where it had gone <laughs> so i was like <laughs> yeah. yeah robbie robbie is oh he's so good yeah he is he's, he's awesome. so good exactly he's i, I whenever robbie's not around people should always be saying where's robbie because mm-hmm. He's that good, and we always want him. We always want him on our television screens. Yeah, we do. But uh, yeah, yeah, he, currently, yeah, so junior tag. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, currently held by Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wado. Master Wado has recently returned from excursion about two years ago. He was in Mexico mm-hmm. for a time, and it seems like maybe in that time that he might have lost a step, and he's slowly kind of regaining that confidence that he seems to have lost while he was on excursion. Yeah. Um, that's normally the opposite of what happens. These guys are on excursion. They're discovering their character and what they want to play when they come back. They come back as a fully formed wrestler in almost every case. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of upsetting to see how far Watto has I don't want to say how far he's fallen, but when he left as a as a young lion, he was he was huge. Yeah. People Everybody loved him. People really ex- about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were they were thinking that he was going to be a very special individual. He came back, he was saddled with a kind of a weird gimmick. He looked like some sort of Sonic the Hedgehog uh karate fighter. Magician. And uh, magician <laughs> as a thing. Yeah. Um his video, his uh, promotional hype video was him just punching trees. Yeah. I don't know what that I was all know. about. He was like the definition of, you know that you know that meme where it's the little dog, it's like a little skinny dog and it has the yellow nervous vest on? That's exactly <laughs> what he looked like to me. Like, like he just looked so scared. And, yeah, I don't know who heard him or what happened like while he was in Mexico, but he like saw some shit and it like really shook him. But um, oh, but, yeah. yeah, he's been apparently he's been like training with Kota Ibushi. You can see his his confidence growing. You can see his body physically changing. He's getting into oh, he's tremendous just all shoulders shape. and chest now. Yeah, exactly. He's really picking up. So you know you want the best for these guys. I still don't think he's found it by any means. Like he's um yeah he's current gimmick. He, You'll figure it out. You know what I mean? He just sort of needs time. But, um, yeah, he's definitely got something uh, to offer still. Yeah, definitely. He'll, he'll, he's not going anywhere. So he'll be around for a while and he'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly right. Um, then we go to the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles, which are currently held by? They are held by, is it... Yoshihashi and Goto, or did they lose them? It is Yoshihashi and Haruki Goto. They won them from Dangerous Techers, yeah. Yes, they did. Uh, They won it at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, Dangerous Techers, who I think are probably the best tag team on the planet, might be the end of them as far as as a tag team goes, but I do love Suzuki-Goon very much. That that faction warms my cold, dead little heart. And, uh, yeah, Haruki Goto is... He's mega dad energy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's is. he's someone who you just you just want to look at him and go like, let's go let's go have a catch pop. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everybody he's, says about him. Uh, and yeah, he's kind of like you know an honorable samurai warrior, 
kind of thing. He's had like a pretty sort of glorious pass, but never really got to full champion status. And it's, you know, it's always nice to see him with a belt and he always works hard. And then Yoshihashi has been like an underdog for a very long time. Like we said, very sort of lost. And But now they seem to have really found a rhythm like together, which is, um, which is cool. So it's yeah. nice to see them uh, get that going. And they always, yeah, just work so hard when they're in there. They really do. They really do. And it's nice to see. Uh, and finally, the big boy belt the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. It's a championship that is consisting of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Mm -hmm. They've merged those two belts. Their lineages are together now. And the current champion, Kazushko Okada, the fourth World Heavyweight Champion. And, um, you know, there's there's just some dudes. They come along once in a lifetime for companies. Someone like a Ric Flair... Someone like Hulk Hogan, you know, you, you, you see these people that are changing the game. There's someone who comes along and forces everyone to adapt to them because they push the envelope so far. Kazuchika Okada is that wrestler. He's the best in the world. He's my favorite wrestler on this planet. I, I can't possibly throw enough flowers at, Kazu, at Kazuchika Okada. Uh, we named our show after him yeah. for God's sake. He's, <laughs> he's an absolute unit. He's six, yeah. three, uh, about 240 pounds, movie star, good looks, cocky, arrogant charisma, and knows how to build a match. The, the, the workman like attitude that he starts a match out with, you know, kind of smiling getting everything going. He's feeling himself. And by the end of the match, you're screaming when he, when he, hits his finishing move, the Rainmaker Lariat, you're you're out of your out of your mind. Nobody does an ending control. sequence like him. You know what I mean? Like whenever you watch an Okada match, you always get that. He brings the best out of his opponent every single time. And you'll just see these sequences where you're like, I have never seen that before. Like the way that was countered, the way that was done, and not just like him doing it, like I can't believe that person counted Okada's offense in that way. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. how he's thinking about things. That's how he's approaching things. And yeah, I truly believe he is like the best wrestler in the world. Uh, he's absolutely, and he's still, you know, young and he just has this like amazing attitude and he just puts on banger after banger. And it's no wonder he's the champion again. Uh, and he reinvents himself too. Like there was a time just recently where people were sort of down on him because after he lost the titles, you know, he, he sort of changed up things about himself. He changed out of his glorious shorts into his pants uh, and he had like, you know, different Ooh, hair. Yes. and, and Ooh, tomato, tomato <laughs> pants. We hate them. Exactly. We hated them. But like he, it's almost like, and I'm pretty sure he did because he, he seems really aware of what he's doing. It's almost like he did those things on purpose. The same as he, the Rainmaker Lariat, his finisher had become, you know, like the thing. And so he stopped using it for like almost a year, like, and was using this money clip finisher and people weren't liking it and they're saying it isn't like a thing and stuff like that. But I, it feels like he did that on purpose to rehabilitate the Rainmaker. 
Because oh, when, when the Rainmaker is a one-shot kill now, yeah, again, exactly because it had been tied out. So when he did that, when he brought that back, it was like game over. Everybody lost it in the same way that everybody lost it when he returned to the shorts. To the shorts, exactly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the that's the thing about Okada. Like you said, he's got he's got such a mind for for himself, his character, and his ability. And you see, you see other people that try to do the Okada finishing stretch. And like the one example that I always think of, of two people who are not Okada trying to do the Okada finishing stretch, there was a match between the rock and John Cena at a WrestleMania. And they tried to do that finisher dance that Okada does. And it just really looked like rock was trying to go for the, go for the rock bottom. John Cena was trying to do his, his death Valley driver. Yeah. And they just countered that into that move to 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 the same move over and over and over again for about five minutes. And it just became laughable Yeah, because they, they don't understand how to build that finishing sequence. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the finishing sequence that he does. It's the, the workmanlike attitude that he starts every match with. Mm-hmm. He just looks Crouching like. Crouching in the corner, holding the rope, looking at them, you know, like all that stuff is all part of that. Yeah, he he will he will watch you. He will break you apart in multiple ways. He'll he'll take you to the outside if he has to. He'll work on a limb if he has to. He'll hit you with big power moves if he has to. He can do everything. And then by the by the end of the match, you're desperately clawing, trying, throwing everything you possibly can at Okada, and all of a sudden you're spun around at 150 miles an hour and hit with a giant lariat and everything's over one, two, three. Yeah. The, the, the guy is an absolute ace. You know, the, the term ace gets thrown around a lot, especially in Japan. He's, he's an ace. He's, it. he's the ace. He's the best in the world. Yeah. And they pick that talent from such a young age, you know, like he's, he's a dude who came straight out of school into the dojo. He knew he wanted to be a pro wrestler uh, they sent him away to excursion. When he came back from ex- excursion, he immediately won the title. Like, upset the champion, Tanahashi, like, came in this cocky swagger, this ridiculous hair. Who the fuck is this guy? I'm the man who makes it rain money. He's doing displays. He's breaking baseball bats with the Rainmaker. He's talking all this mad shit. And then he fucking wins the title. And they're like, where did this come from? You know, and that... That's who he is, and he continues to be that always, you know? And he's so lovable, but he can also be such a dickhead, like mid-match. He has this cocky, mean streak to him that, you know, he definitely, as he gets mad, like in matches, will show you, you know, he's just, he's the man, dude. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to another question. Uh, We'll go back to a question from Ryan. Uh, Ryan asks... What are the big NJPW shows slash events? And I think that one of the cool things about New Japan is they build so much of their year around tournaments. So you have uh, single elimination tournaments, and you also have round-robin tournaments that run throughout the year. So you have uh, the big one, of course, is the G1. The G1 Climax Tournament, it's a grueling round-robin tournament. It's two blocks of 10 wrestlers each. Each of those wrestlers will wrestle the other nine people in their in their block, 
and then the the people who have won the most out of those two blocks will face each other. The winner gets to fight the champion at Wrestle Kingdom. It's usually about a month long, right in the middle of summer, the dog days, you know, these dudes are working hard and it's not, they're not having, you know, a, well, I won't say they're not having goofy matches because usually Toru Yano is in the, uh, <laughs> is in, is in the mix, but you, you have these dudes going 15, 20, 25, sometimes up to 30 minutes per match. And these aren't soft matches. These are new Japan strong style you know, and sometimes Kings road matches where they're throwing bombs at each other for 30 minutes straight. And they're doing that nine times each before they go on and have a final match together altogether. I think how much, how many is it? Uh, 181 matches <laughs> every G one. It's, it's, it's insane. A lot. And trust me, you're talking to the fucking guy that reviewed every single one of them one year. I, I did uh, a series of episodes called G Wandering where I reviewed every, like I just did like a 10, 15 minute mat, um, review podcast on each night of the G1 and talked about everything. And by the end of that series, you can hear a man lose his fucking mind as I just slowly <laughs> descend into insanity. There's episodes there where because of like, you know, schedule and work and stuff like that, I recorded like four episodes in a row. And stuff like record 15 minutes about this one, stop it, hit record, and then go about the next one. So I'm just slowly <laughs> losing my mind <laughs> as I watch them all. But it is my favorite tournament ever and my favorite time of year when it comes around. We might need to oh, bring G Wandering back with this podcast this year, Curtis. And it may help it. that you exist because maybe we can sort of divide the lifting a little bit. Like maybe we take a block each or something like that and half it and that may lead to a little bit more sanity. If we try and do that. every single one together, I think we would die. We'd probably have to go uh, like Curtis does block A, I do block B and it's like alternate episodes sort of thing and then meet for the final. <laughs> something like that. I'm super into it, dude. The like my guy meets your guy. Maybe we get invested in our individual blocks and then then we end up with our contenders at the end. Oh, we can do that. We can take wagers. Like if, if uh, my guy has more points than your guy by the end of the thing, then I'll, I'll win this. And mm. if your guy beats my guy, then you'll win this. You know, yeah, like that. I love doing we'll, all we'll the do tipping for... and stuff for J1. J1's super fun. The only downside will oh, be so whoever good. gets block B will probably be have the fucking shitter run because usually block A is fire and block B <laughs> isn't as good. So I think for the last few years it's been that block A is the work rate block yeah. and block B is the storyteller block. Mm-hmm. You get people like uh, Naito and Tanahashi and block B and they're out there, you know, telling telling these beautiful, amazing stories. And then block A is like Okada and Will Ospreay yeah, and uh, people bangers. who are just like, oh my God, yeah, what exactly. did he just do? Oh, right. we'll fight over who's doing what blocks uh, when that comes around. But yeah, so G1 is their biggest tournament. And then the person that wins that uh, wins a contract to challenge for any championship that they want. Or, or is it just to the main event it's- at the Tokyo Dome? It's the main event at the Tokyo Dome. Is this one, yeah. is New Japan Cup you can challenge for anything you want? Uh, New Japan Cup, yeah, I th- most people just use it to challenge for the uh, for the heavyweight belt. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was one of the two. Sorry, I've confused them. But, yeah, so you you basically get a ticket to the main event at Tokyo Dome, and then usually whoever wins that 
will defend that contract at least maybe once before Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom January 4th. Yeah. The last few years it's been kind of messed up because of COVID. They've been doing the G1 in the autumn. And so when you have the, the G1 in the autumn and then they'll they'll defend the G1 contract once before Wrestle Kingdom, usually to someone that, that beat them uh, in the yeah, round-robin tournament. The tournament yeah. yeah, so no, on a normal year, which is what I'm hoping that 2022 is going to be as far as uh, scheduling-wise, mm-hmm. The well, yeah, we don't have the Olympics the, this time, right? Like, so that I think that yeah. was what screwed them up the most. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the the Olympics yeah took place in the summer, and then they got delayed and took place the next summer. So it delayed the G one twice, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, this year, you'll you'll see the champion will usually be in block A, which means that the challenger that ends up winning will be in a block B or whatever, or or vice versa. Uh, so the champion will 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 never ever sweep their block. They'll lose at least one or two matches. And that way they have a couple of title defenses that they can have before wrestle kingdom. Then you have your ultimate champion um, of the G one challenging the champion uh, that's holding the belt and they'll defend that the right to challenge to someone who had beaten them. So it's, easy to set up you'll have uh you know say naito wins the g1 he lost to jeff cobb and uh, uh hiroki goto in the g1 he'll face those guys and the the g1 contract has only ever uh changed hands once only once and that was but now they've set that precedent. two years ago yeah exactly which was jay white took it from kota Ibushi. uh mm-hmm. and then they kind of undone that anyway which was sort of annoying but uh we won't get we won't get into sometimes where the storyline get, gets a, a bit undone but but yeah the idea is that they can defend it and then you could maybe even have a wild card that wasn't in the tournament or maybe you know uh an outsider it, it, as an outsider kind of thing could potentially still end up there you know but usually it's going to be the be- the best match of the show, like we said, protected matches, and it'll be somebody that people have been waiting to see or a conflict people have been waiting to see to set up their main event. It's been a little bit different now because they've been doing Wrestle Kingdom over multiple nights. They've usually been kind of working sort of three-way angles a little bit, like setting up two different challenges. So it kind of it gets a little bit messy in that you're – G1 winner is automatically going there, but then there needs to be some other strife to set up some other person to be there. I don't hate the idea, and I'm just thinking of this now, so you know, I'm just going to stuff up a question and keep talking. Um, I would not hate it if the, say, like the New Japan Cup winner also had a right to challenge kind of scenario. You know what I mean? Like the two main tournaments set up your two... Uh, guys, but I suppose then you've got a long run, and if anybody gets injured and stuff, it can stuff up that booking pretty far out. Yeah, the, the New Japan Cup taking place in March, where Wrestle Kingdom takes place in January, you got you know a ten month wait till your next uh, able to challenge. I think people will just be like, no, no, thank you, I'll challenge at Dominion or something. You know, yeah, in, in exactly. the summer, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense, and that's what it usually sets up. So. But yeah, anyway, uh, with creative storytelling, they can make it work anyway. I prefer Wrestle Kingdom Definitely. to just be one night if it was up to me. It feels special. Yeah, yeah, so would I. So would I. It sucks having to call off two days at work. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's actually pretty fun when you're there, though. Like when we went to the two-day Wrestle Kingdom, it was like pretty fun to do two in a row, you know. 
I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous of how, how many like trips to Japan you've had and things like that. Now I, I I've had my own new Japan experiences. I got to see Okada defend the uh, IWGP heavyweight belt against uh, Minoru Suzuki at uh, the copper box arena in London. That's that was awesome. amazing. And probably one of the best matches I've ever seen live. And well, I mean, it was definitely one of the best matches I've ever seen live. It was a great experience altogether. It was an awesome birthday present from my wife. Um, but man, I would love to go to the Tokyo Dome someday. Actually, yeah. I want to go to Karukin Hall as well. Yeah, it's it's one of the best wrestler like wrestling venues. Karukin Hall is like something special. It's amazing to be there. I've seen so many shows there. Um, New Japan, Big Japan, Zero One, DDT, like yeah, I've seen them all there, and yeah, it's <laughs> it's special, and it's as magic as it looks on TV. It's such a, like for anybody who hasn't watched it, for anyone who's not familiar with New Japan yet, Karakuen Hall is a venue right near the Tokyo Dome, um, which is just basically a ring surrounded by seats, you know. It's their most commonly used uh, arena that they use, and it's just legendary. You know, it's got these fun balconies and people hang signs about their famous wrestler, like their favorite wrestlers from it. And uh, yeah, it's just, just awesome. And that's been that's been hosting wrestling events for sixty years now, yeah. so longer than New Japan's even been around. Yeah, exactly right. It's just iconic. So yeah, it's really good. The other the other place I want to see is the uh, I want to go to a show at KBS Hall. Which is the, that? It's, is um, that the Dragon Gate one? The one with the like stained glass? glass. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, Go- um, gorgeous place. Every it turns every picture into a, like an instant like work of art uh, in a yeah, wrestling match is a giant stained glass. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, I've never gone there. So, yeah. I would love to get there. Um, I'd really recommend checking out Shinkiba first ring as well. Quite a bit more humble than those other ones. I've been to freedoms and big Japan there, but it's this tiny little venue in the back of like a warehouse district kind of thing. But it's so cool. Like all the wrestlers are just outside, you know, selling their merch over tables. they selling strong zero and beer out of little coolers and you, you just go in and there's, you know, folding chairs around the ring and, you know, a couple of bench seats and that's it. And, but it's super intimate. It's really cool. Yeah, sounds like fun. Uh, so what are some of the other big events? Uh, so we've got the Super yeah, J Cup, which is the junior. Yeah, Super yeah, J Cup, sorry. which is where we're in. in uh, so, well, actually, let's um, – yeah, let's do Super Jacket. We'll finish with New Japan Cup, and that will be a good segue into what we're going to speak yeah. about. So, yeah, the Super J Cup is for the junior heavyweights, um, mm-hmm. and that is an elimination tournament? Yep, single elimination tournament. Mm-hmm. It does not happen every year, and it's not only a New Japan idea. Sometimes it's been hosted by um, WAR. Sometimes it's been hosted by, I believe it was hosted by Michinoku Pro. It's It's been... Um, the last two times it's been hosted, which were 2020 and 2021, uh, it was held specifically in New Japan uh, to give some of the juniors that were stuck in America something to do. Uh, it was won both times by El Fantasmo, uh, who's an, a, a fantastic dickhead, and I love him very much. And um, that's a lot of fun. The, the Super J-Cup has a rich history, even though it only started in 1994 and it's only happened like eight times. The, the super J cup 1994, it's was a one night tournament. Uh, you might've seen some of those matches. Uh, there was, 
everyone was in it. Dean Malenko was in it. Eddie Guerrero was in it. Chris Benoit was in it. The great Sasuke, Jushin Liger. Uh, it was it was amazing. You can find every single one of those matches on New Japan World and just watch them. At like that one night tournament was magic. It was so good. Um, the other, uh, I'm sorry, the junior version of the G1 is the best of the super juniors tournament. And that's, uh, again, usually a two, a two, two block 20 man tournament, uh, round Robin style with the two winners of each block facing each other. Uh, that's usually for a chance at the junior heavyweight belt. Again, if the junior heavyweight champion is in the tournament and he loses, some of those people might be able to challenge as well. Super juniors is so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's, it's 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 just a hundred percent all go no quit move 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 uh, the 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 new Japan juniors uh, especially when they bring in some talent from Mexico and things like that you've got people like um, Dragon Lee uh, comes in they've got people from sometimes other Japanese promotions that are a ton of fun to watch uh, people like uh, the dudes from Glate Strong Hearts uh, uh, they'll he'll probably um, he'll probably be who's that um, Shima will Shima. probably be in the yeah, probably in the best of It'd super be cool juniors if this we year. Could I would see say like El Linderman and T Hawk and stuff in it as well. That would be really cool. Yeah, I wonder it if T uh, Strong Hearts are great. Yeah. Do you think T Hawk counts as a junior or a heavyweight? He could kind of go either way. I don't know. I'd have to look up his Wikipedia page and see what he weighs because it's all based very on very handsome. Weight. That's all I can tell you. How much does handsome <laughs> weigh? That's the real question. <laughs> I mean, well, it's, does it? Are we talking about like the physical weight or the board, uh, the burden? Of being mm. so darn handsome. Well, the burden on him is probably crushing, I would say. <laughs> crushing emotionally and physically. Uh, but then also the physicalness, a jawline like that can't be light. Uh, the... <laughs> anyway. we are we're... carved out of marble. Right there. <laughs> yeah, so Very uh, handsome then, then the we have uh, World Tag League, mm-hmm. which is a... That's also a round robin tournament. Oh, sorry, for... yeah, round robin tournament. That's what I meant. To say. <laughs> what, what did you say? A piss break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when everyone takes a break between uh, the G one and and Wrestle Kingdom. That everyone is usually yeah. what happens. And you know what? I never want it to be because I love tag team wrestling. Um, but. You know, it can be a little bit average. It was good this year because they've been sort of mashing those two tournaments together, but that was more to do with time, again, Olympics, COVID, all the different things. So they've been sort of pushing those two tournaments together. And so one night you'll get uh, one tournament and the other night the next. Yeah, they they took each of the tournaments down to a single block and had those running opposite each other, which was pretty cool. Yeah, you get get Um, a nice variation of stuff. Yeah, you'd see a, a couple of like junior tag matches before the World Tag League shows. You'd see a couple of multi-man tag matches before the Best of Super Junior shows. It's cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we did cover the Best of Super Juniors for Super J-Cast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we met. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about a fantastic match between El Desperado and uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Mm-hmm. That was... We were we were lucky to grab that night. I think uh, we were the first people to speak up and say that's the one we want to cover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we didn't think we would get it. So, <laughs> so yeah, we did. Um, I've been going to release that as a 
like I was thinking about putting it up as a bonus episode on my feed, but maybe down the track we'll release it as like a bonus episode on this feed, where um, if yeah, people want to hear the origin of Rafe and Curtis's friendship, uh, they can tune into that that episode because that that was really fun. We got put together by the Super J cast as two potential hosts, and we had a great time and became lifelong friends as a result. Now we're now we're brothers. Yeah, brothers in he shorts. Yes, brothers in shorts. <laughs> he, he cradled me in his arms yeah, as I cried. Exactly. And I said, now we now we are one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. So if you want to hear us, a podcast listener, gather around. If you want to hear us uh, have fun and laugh at some other person's expense, uh, you, can, you can definitely listen to our, our Super J cast uh, performance because we do make a lot of fun of a lot of people in that show. <laughs> No, no. Well, of wrestlers, uh, not of uh, wrestlers, wrestlers. <laughs> not of you know humans, and none uh, of them is people. Only of their characters. Exactly. I'm sure they're all very. It's an very important nice distinction that Twitter doesn't always know. Yeah, exactly. All right. Are there any more tournaments, or that's all of them? I think that's all of them, right? That's all the tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have two. Usually, they have a couple of big shows, but the two main big shows are Wrestle Kingdom, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, Dominion. Mm-hmm. Dominion is uh, like their SummerSlam to the to the Wrestle Kingdom WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So in a venue that, that I would is. love to go to, Osaka Joe Hall is a beautiful oh, venue yeah. that I would I would love to see Dominion. When we were regularly going to Japan, we were always going in winter, so in January, um, and Dominion's like in the summer, so it didn't really work out with our travel schedule. But I would love to go to a Dominion. Yeah, it'd be really nice. It'd be nice to get to Japan at all wouldn't it? It would Especially be. for some of the guys wrestlers. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Uh, we we um, will be there at some point. We'll we'll do it. We'll both end up there. At the and the, time. yeah, we will. You mean Okada. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the, the other tournament, the final tournament that we'll talk about is the New Japan Cup, which oh. we are currently yes. in the middle of. Yes. Very exciting. What a segue. What a segue to talk about the New Japan Cup. Look what I'm doing, being professional. I know. It's almost like we've done this before. Um, <laughs> it's been good. Uh, like I said on on my podcast, we did a um, breakdown Pick of the, the New Japan Cup, the New Japan Cup date, and so this is going to continue on basically, uh, where we're just going to going to go through the matches that we saw in this first big round, and then we will pick this up in a fortnight just before the finals of the New Japan Cup to talk about all the antics that happened after this and what we think is going to go down in the final. Yes. So the first, uh, what? who did we have? Do we want to talk about who we had uh, winning? Yeah. So, oh, so one thing that we talked about in, in the, the original cup date was uh, we, we didn't do like a serious pick'ems or break it down. We just went through all the matches and chose our best-case scenario, worst-case scenario. So how accurate they are, I'm not sure. But our current best-case scenario winner is Jeff Cobb, and our current worst-case scenario winner is Sonata. So they're what we're, uh, we're looking at at the moment. Um, on this particular night um, of March 2nd uh, was the first round of the New Japan Cup and it opened up with Seema versus Taka Michinoku. Um, what did you think of uh, Seema getting into like a singles match for New Japan here? I like it. I think uh, Seema is someone who is very versatile. 
he's someone who can uh, show up with his trio strong hearts and uh, they can always impress. Uh, he can also impress as a singles wrestler. Uh, people have seen him all over the place. He's performed in AEW. He's performed um, for Japan, New Japan before. He's performed in England. He's performed in Mexico, I believe. The dude's been around for dog's yeah, age. Yeah. Yeah. And him and Taka, I mean, they're both veterans. Easy to say veterans. I mean, they're both world-traveled veterans. And uh, they put on a pretty good match. Uh, Taka can't really fly like he used to, but he can still work a very good match. He worked a like, kind of like a ground-style submission, like Yave match, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Um, Shima is still uh, much more... Uh, he's much speedier than Taka is at this point. So he was able to kind of still pull out all the stops while Taka was there to, you know, catch him. So uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to see Taka try to ground Shima and watching Shima uh, kind of overcome that. It's a good time. Exactly. And uh, it is Shima, isn't it? I feel like last episode I was calling him Shima and then I was listening to other stuff and people calling him Shima. And then I second guessed myself and thought I had it wrong. (laughs) Is it Shima or Shima? I think it's Shima. I think so. I want to say Shima. Yeah, exactly. I'm very not Japanese, so I'm going to... Let's lean into Shima for now. Um, I thought it was a good, fun, competitive match. Uh, Taika had been gone for a while amidst a whole heap of scandal that we won't really go into, but uh, long story short, he doesn't really win matches anymore, and Shima pulled out the victory. Yeah, uh, Taka actually, so Shima had um, Stronghearts at ringside, didn't he? He did, he did. And Taka had some of his JTO boys, yes, some of the he, he young lions from out, his Just Tap Out promotion. Yeah, exactly. He didn't bring out uh, any of the Suzuki-gun guys. No, he brought out people from his promotion, JTO, which was, I think, it, like, if you're a young lion and you're working, or a young lion, and you're a young boy working for one of these uh, lower promotions and they want to bring you out to watch a New Japan show where you can sit and learn from from those big wrestlers. Yeah, jump at that opportunity. That's really cool for that he was able to do that for them. Absolutely, and, and yeah, kind of interesting that we the, this sort of first match was from two guys that aren't sort of technically full time New Japan. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, expecting maybe a couple of more visitors or gaijins for this tournament we didn't really get them uh but we did get shima and i think that the strong hearts uh were a very good pickup i would also look forward to uh the biggest strong heart i'm not sure if he's still affiliated with them because i haven't seen them together in a while but shinja hero irie is um awesome and whenever i've seen them as like a four-man unit uh in tags and stuff, uh, has been absolutely crazy. I saw one of the coolest sequences of, like, in this four-man tag, Strong Hearts versus, like, four DDT guys, like, in a live show where they just murdered this one guy. It was just, like, tag in, tag in, tag in, and as they just systematically <laughs> destroyed this person in the finish, you know? So he, he hasn't kind of popped up yet along with the other three, but it would be really cool to uh, see him with them. That would be oh, that would be awesome. Get him into the heavyweight division. I look at him along the lines of like Shingo Takagi is how high I sort of hold him as a wrestler. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, seeing him inject into the heavyweight division would be bonkers. 
Yeah, super good. Shingo Takagi, dude, dude's on fire. Like he was the wrestler of the year last year easily. Yeah, he's so good. Uh, second match from the New Japan Cup first uh, first round first night. Uh, Tomoaki Hanma mm-hmm. in a losing effort against Yoshihashi. Yes. Now, I don't have a lot of good to say about this match. <laughs> If you would like to take over, I know you have a soft spot in your heart for Tomoaki Hanma. Mm. Uh, if you want to go ahead and so maybe that's more that what the conversation is about here, because yeah, this wasn't particularly great. I, I think um, I think Hanma can definitely have good matches. We've seen him have good matches even as recently as uh, against um, Hiromu. But yeah, this this wasn't exactly electrifying, you know. Uh, Honma's kind of getting on a bit in age. He broke his neck not that long ago, and he's come back. So as a result, I sort of worry about him just in general uh, when he's in the ring. But yeah, there's not really much to say here. Yoshihashi won because he's like a tag champion, and that's kind of the way it's going to go. I was sort of hoping that Honma would maybe squeak one out because there was the potential for him to have more interesting matches past Yoshihashi, but they didn't go that way. So, meh, it was okay. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't really okay. It was just meh. So, yeah, whatever. On to the next one. After that was <laughs> Yuji Nagata versus Hiroki Goto. Now, this was another one I would have liked to see an upset by one of the dads. I really like Nagata. Um, I've got a soft spot for him. Um, but I like Goto too. And, you know, it was fine. This is kind of what you get out of like the sort of first round kind of stuff where nothing super fire Um is uh is going on when as they kind of weed out you know a few of the more you know older guys or or more average guys and that's what happens when you run like a forty eight man tournament and you don't bring in any extra talent and you just run everybody on your roster all at once. <laughs> I think they they kind of needed to do that. I don't know why we expected so many outsiders to be in for this tournament. It's New Japan's fiftieth anniversary this year. They were gonna run a, you know, as close to a fifty man tournament of their dudes as they possibly could. Yeah. And so like thinking about it like we probably shouldn't have expected to see someone like a John Moxley or something like that. Uh, in here. Exactly. We were just hyping ourselves up. For the G one it may be different, but uh for this it's probably pretty uh self explanatory. Did you have anything to say about this? I mean this was a, a fun little uh I always like to see Nagata out there kicking dudes and that's what we got yeah i love i love nagata he's one of my dudes he's one he's my part of my boys stable from way back um you know play wcw versus the world you yeah. know used to play as yuji nagata uh-huh. so like i love yuji nagata dude like i wanted to see him continue on in this tournament especially because the next round would have had him facing dick togo and i would like to have seen him uh, rip dick togo's arm off yes and beat him about the head and shoulders with it but unfortunately, that's not what happened. Instead, we're going to so. get Goto versus Togo. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. That's going to be that's going to be a match that will happen. Um, after that, another and I match say happened. Goto versus Togo, and I say, oh no, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see how it goes. Uh-huh. Hopefully, he just whoops the ever living shit out of him. It'd be good. Uh, after that was Togi Makabe versus Jeff Cobb. Uh, I didn't get a total bump counter going on this, but I was actually pretty impressed by Markabay in this. I thought he, he brought his working boots. Yeah, it was about five minutes in before he actually took his first flat back bump. Mm. He took four flat back bumps oh, you count them. and the tour of the islands. 
There you go. That, so that tour of the islands was hard way, though. He didn't have a choice about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, he went up. He went up. Cobb was going to lift that motherfucker whether he wanted to or not. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it happened. We kind of maybe suspected that Cobb wouldn't win because Markabe didn't want to do any work <laughs> or any bumpies, but it, it worked out. And so Cobb, our guy that we are hoping will win, got through to the next round from there. Cobb has really turned himself around. We used to refer to Cobb as the slob because we were so bored with everything he had to offer, but he's come so far uh, in in where he is now, like in his... Did you, uh, you used to call him the slob? You used to call him the terrible. slob. For a, <laughs> and like I used to like him, PWG, things like that. I was into it. But there was a time in New Japan where he was pretty boring. He wasn't oh, yeah, doing he anything came cool. To New Japan. Yeah. Yeah, when he first came to New Japan, it was not uh, wasn't fantastic. No, he was. And you have to. He wasn't used to running like twenty five minute matches no, and stuff he, like he that. He was feeling it, and so if you're my wife and friend, so if you're Amy or Momo, and you're used to, you don't watch anything else but New Japan, and you're used to the work rate of a lot of these guys, and then suddenly this guy comes in and he's not doing that and he's just doing some lifting and he doesn't look like he can keep up and stuff. You can understand why they were so harsh immediately because they're like, why do we care about this guy? Like he, okay, he can lift somebody heavy occasionally. Like he, he really wasn't up to the sort of um, spec of a lot of the new Japan guys, but he has really transformed himself. You can see it in his body. You can see it in his like, you know, output. He's, become really, really impressive. And as he sort of found that, you know, darker sort of heel character that he's become now is he's, you know, found a bit of attitude and everything like that. He, he's come a long way. And I, th- I think he's one of the best in the company now. Yeah, I think the, the difference being is that when he was in PWG, he can have matches with uh, people like Ricochet and things like that, and he can grab those people and throw nice. them into the sun. Yeah. And when you get to when you get to New Japan, you can't really do that to someone like Hiroki Goto or no. Tomohiro Ishii. He can. He literally can do it. Yeah. But it's you know he Tomo Ishii, Tomohiro Ishii is not going to bump for Jeff Cobb like Ricochet would. Yeah. You know. So he had to kind of learn to work around that sort of uh, heavy man style. You know, you, you you could see someone like Jeff Cobb versus someone like, um, you know, Keith Lee. You know, you're going to have two dudes who want to just yeet twinks into the, you know, into the atmosphere. But, you know, they can't do that to each other. I'm sure they could do it to each other, but they're not going to have as much fun doing it to each other. So you got to find a workaround. And it just took him a while to find that workaround. Absolutely. And now he's sort of developed into like a stronger style, more dynamic wrestler. And I think he would probably even think and agree that he's become a much more diverse and dynamic wrestler because of it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, the next match was Toriano versus Taichi. What did you think of this one? Um, I think you should say what you thought of it because your description of it was the the best summary of this uh, this match. I had fun with it. I had fun with it. But what did you tell me when you saw it? Well, you said uh, you were like, this was the perfect Toru Yano match. It was nice, 
fast. It was under five minutes, and Miho Abe was there. Was, was your your description of that? And and I think that was uh, that was pretty pretty accurate. I had fun with it though. I I always kind of I'm not one of those people that hates on Yano matches. I'm one of those people that like. People are like he always does the same joke and does the same things. So I'm like, that's the joke. And as he continues to still do the same shit, it gets funnier to me because I'm like, that's the point. Like, is oh no, he's going to do it again, sort of thing. So if you don't like that kind of humor, you won't like it. But I quite did like it. I like the big dumb bag. Uh, I, I was hoping we'd have like a Darby Allen spot where he just gets you know yet well you know full. Farouk Dominator in the bag, but that's not the way it worked out. Um, and Tai Chi won, which is what I want to, to happen. So good. This match was two huge personalities. Yeah. So you've got Toriano, um, podcast listener. If you're not familiar with New Japan, this is a you know for newbies. Uh, Toriano is a comedy wrestler. He's someone who has a pedigree with like Olympic style wrestling and things like that. But for the most part, he's you know yuck 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 yuck. He's got um, a bunch of like little gimmicks that he does where he'll like tie your shoelaces together outside the ring so you can't get back in before a 20 count. Um, or he'll, um, in this match, he pulled out a big old bag made of tarpaulin and like, like something you'd clean up the leaves with your dad in the yard. And um, he, he like put it over Tai Chi and tried to like, I don't know, like, roll him up or something him like up. that. Yeah, and, exactly. Yano's afraid of the dark, so when Tai Chi put it over Yano's head, then it was and it's not just a little bag, it's not like a, a grocery bag, right? It's a full, like it covered down to his knees. So like this was th- there was some work. There was some work that these guys had to do in this match to make this look um smooth at all. And Tai Chi uh Tai Chi is someone who can be a goofy comedy wrestler. He can also be a very serious, uh, like King's road style wrestler where he's, you know, taking pumping bomber lariats after lariats after lariats, just to land one shot back at you. Like, and he's got Miho Abe with him, which is always a plus. Uh, if you feel like uh, podcast listener, please Google Miho Abe and enjoy. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing about this match is these guys play well together. They played well together for, you know, what, five minutes. They made me chuckle a couple of times, and then it was over. <laughs> trying trying to watch, a, like, a 27-minute Yano dog collar match, that, that ain't the move. No, no, that ain't the move. Gotta keep five it minute Yano match fast, and it's like a night off for the guys in the tournament, and, like, everybody has a bit of fun, and it's good to go. You know what I mean? Yano's yelling at stuff. He's pulling off turnbuckle pads. He's trying to tape people up. He's just trying general antics. And then usually the match will be good or not, in my eyes, depending on how the opponent handles that. You know what I mean? Because he's always going to be consistently ridiculous. And then it's how creative his opponent can be as to how it works. And they'll either get outsmarted or they won't. So in this case, Tai Chi, got I will give honourable mention to the part where Tai Chi's whole gimmick is he wears these tearaway pants and at like the end of the the match when he's going to do his big kick, he like rips them off and he spins them and then he like lines up and he does this big head kick. In this one, he's uh, 
He's about to grab Yano, and then Yano tears away his pants. And so Taichi's immediate reaction is to cover himself up like it's a cartoon or something. Like, oh, he's taken off my pants. It's like, I wasn't ready. It's a li- I wasn't ready. <laughs> he was like, oh, and like covering himself like he's naked, which is really funny because he, literally his whole thing is he always tears them off. Like, so it was, they, they turned it into like this dumb thing. And yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. And I'm glad Taichi's on to the next round. I uh, I love Tai Chi. His his trunks are always just like a little bit too small for him. Extra like the, medium. Comes from like the, yeah, he, he comes from like the Randy Orton like school of trunks where, where they're just just a little too small. Yeah, I used to always enjoy Don Callis on commentary talking about like how <laughs> how small the trunks were like every single time. <laughs> Next up uh, uh, so- after that though, who'd we have? We had my girlfriend Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Yo. Um, Listen back to previous episodes that I've ever talked about New Japan and why <laughs> Tanahashi's my girlfriend. Um, but it it was like a good competitive match where um, Tanahashi gave Yo a lot. You know, it was a story of like a, a young dude who's trained with somebody like Tanahashi for his whole career, like learning from him and doing him his best to overcome him. But in the end, Tanahashi's a heavyweight, and he cuts the bullshit and he wins physically. Yeah. yeah Tanahashi is, um, when you look at Tanahashi, you can think of someone like a Shawn Michaels or a Bret Hart. You know, he's, he's that level of ace for the company. He's someone who is uh, at this point a little, little bit older. He's on the downslope of his career. Um, but he's so special. He's someone who was able to carry New Japan for years in some of the darkest times that the company's ever had. And we're still seeing very high-level matches from someone who literally hasn't had knees for like a decade now. Yeah, he bleeds so, New Japan, for him. man. He was the Okada before Okada. Uh, he helped make him, you know what I mean? Like, he is just... Yeah. he's uh, the When I first got into New Japan, the people described him as like the John Cena of New Japan. And I didn't really kind of get it. And it took me a while, actually, to sort of love him. You know what I mean? Because I was like, oh, he's a little bit slower. And, you know, I hadn't really seen, like, the right matches and stuff. But over time, when you just see his heart and his energy and, like, how how much love and effort he puts into the company. And then when you see him do stuff like when the company needs him, just, like, drop weight, become a weapon again and enter a G1 and just have these crazy matches or Wrestle Kingdom comes around and they need, we're going to have a hardcore match for the US title against Kenta. I shouldn't give a fuck about that, but this motherfucker's jumping off ladders through tables, like just going sick. And he doesn't need to do that stuff, but he will just die for the company. You know what I mean? And I've seen him a few times live. He's hugged me live one time, which was amazing. Um, he's just he's just one of the best to ever do it, you know, and he deserves all the respect in the world. So I love seeing him move forward in this tournament. I always want to see him do well. And I love as well that, like, you, you could put the title on him tomorrow, you know what I mean? And nobody would even be mad about it or angry about it. When all the stuff went down with the elite leaving, Kenny Omega and stuff were leaving, they needed a transitional champion, fucking put it on Tanahashi. You know what I mean? Everybody loved it. I was in the the dome. Everybody knew that Omega was leaving and was going to lose it. But just like Tanahashi just goes out there and gives you a banger. And I got to see Hiroshi Tanahashi 
win the IWGP title in the Tokyo Dome. And I never thought I would get to see that. I thought all that time was passed and I was there in like third row from the front or whatever it was with all the people around me. This this little lady next to me had all her Tanahashi stuff on and things like that and her husband and the family. And, stuff, and they were just going crazy, man, because it would have been, you know, their guy for their entire life, you know, like because he's been doing it so long. And it was so – I was jumping up and down with her and stuff like that and it, it was – Really special. So just a, a vamp on Tanahashi real quick so people understand as they go forward in the tournament, that's what he means to that company. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Yo did really well against him and they've been slowly building Yo now, which is nice. It's been very slow, but they're starting to do stuff with him. And, yeah, Tanahashi gave him a lot, but in the end he had to move on to the next round. Yeah. It's a, it's a very hard, fast line in new Japan between the heavyweights and the junior heavyweights. Yes. Uh, you very rarely see a junior heavyweight pin a heavyweight, especially in a tournament like this. It mm-hmm. takes someone who's very special or someone who's on a, uh, an absolute tear. Yeah. And it's usually like marking a trajectory that they're moving into heavyweight. You know, if it happens, it's like, there's a reason because now we're heading down that lane. And if they're not yeah. heading down that lane, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't happen very often. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, not at all. Uh, next match, Tetsuya Naito versus Yujiro Takahashi. No Limit Explodes. Now, this match has, <laughs> yeah, team No Limit Explodes. Yeah, this match has a lot of history. Uh, these two used to be a junior tag team champion. Uh, I'm sorry, junior tag team champions together. A long time ago, they split, I mean, well over 12, 12 years ago, maybe, I think. And... Uh, Tetsuya Naito has gone on to become a megastar in the company. Yujiro has done almost nothing. He's uh, He is currently half of the Never Six Man t- uh, Champions. And that's like his career but, highlight at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's done. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing that he's ever done in his career was helped AJ Styles to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Like that was his moment. He that's was the he first. He was the first. Club, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was the first Japanese member of Bullet Club. And that's cool, but it's definitely, like, it's you can see the the division there. Tetsuya Naito is someone who's, he leads his own faction, the Los Ingobernables de Japón. He's someone who is constantly uh, looked upon as one of the biggest stars in the company, one of the big four, is how they usually have, like, four dudes at any given time who you can see a championship belt on. And He's an absolute genius. Uh, they they called him for a long time. They called him the Stardust Genius. But the way that Naito can structure his matches to tell these stories and to to have these events happen uh, within his matches, he's an absolute madman. He's a mad scientist. He's a genius, and I don't use that term loosely. Naito is a boss. Uh, so it was it was cool to see these two go at it. It's the first time since they've split that they've had a, a match together. It was a lot of fun, which is something that I would not usually say about a match with someone who's connected to House of Torture. And, uh, well, even if he wasn't connected to House of Torture, something that you would usually say about Yujiro Takahashi because he historically doesn't really do a lot and I have never really thought of him as like a really a good wrestler you know and in this match 
they kind of used character a little bit more. Like the wrestling's always good when it, when it's Naito doing it. You know what I mean? But Yujiro isn't super dynamic or anything. But in this, everybody's been like pretty tired of the House of Tortures sort of like heel work and antics and the attacks they do. Not because they're cheating and things like that. Mainly just because it hasn't been very creative. It just felt very samey and repetitive. And in this one, the referee kind of gets gets knocked out. Uh, Evil and show two members of the House of Torture run in and they start attacking Naito and we're like, okay, same bullshit, that's fine. But what what was fun was the spin they took on it where Yujiro is is like, no, no, you guys need to get out of there. Like, we've got history. He's like, this needs to be one-on-one, me and Naito. And they're like, really, you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's one-on-one. And they're like, okay. And, and commentary's selling it like, um, the, it must be kind of embarrassing for those guys, you know, for their their teammate to usher him out. But, you know, maybe Yujiro does have a heart and he, you know, respects Naito and blah, blah, blah. And so Yujiro picks him up and then immediately hits him in the balls. Like, which, like, which, and then he's laughing and evil and that are laughing. They're like, ha, 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 we're so evil, which is really great. But then what inevitably happens is they're trying to distract the referee again, but then Naito just immediately turns around and hits him in the balls because at the end of the day, Naito was a scumbag a long time before Yujiro ever was. He's way craftier. He's way smarter. And he's just better at doing it than them. He doesn't really do it that often now because he's sort of like this big, you know, tweener face where everybody, like, loves him and stuff. But he's a bit of a fuckhead. Like, and it's awesome when he does that stuff. I mean, he just goes, ah, fuck it. Just wastes him and and, and then wins. And then they... You know, he overcomes everybody in the end. And then even when he's like, oh, I won. And then he's calling in the legend, Juice and Thunder Liger, come in and celebrate with, with me in this amazing moment. And Liger's like, no, no. And he's like, come on, come on. And then Liger comes in and they get him up in the ring and then Naito immediately fucks off. Like he just rolls out and leaves him there for no reason because he's a dickhead. And that is Tetsuya Naito. Like you're over time just see these antics from him that, like, nobody has his kind of charisma. Like, if Okada's 1A, he's 1B. Um, when I first saw him was, like, when he was champion for the first time and just him actively disrespecting the belt. I saw him walk out on Ring of Honor and throw the IWGP title into the air as high as it could go and just land on the ground and not give a fuck about it because he was like, I'm bigger than any title and stuff that... He doesn't disrespect the belts quite as much as he did when he had the IC title and was actively breaking it because he hated it. But, like, he's he's very original and his cadence and everything is really creative. And, yeah, he got a, a good match out of the pimp, Yujiro Takahashi. So I didn't think that was yeah, possible. I think one of the things about Naito is Naito's not as mobile as he used to be. So he tends to build matches where his opponents can really shine and he can kind of work from work from underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have he and Yujiro, I don't think there's a working knee in in the bunch yeah. there. So they kind of they kind of really had to play into that story to have a great match. Yeah. So uh, they ended up doing it. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, usually House, House of Torture matches are an instant skip for me, but Naito matches, uh, especially singles matches, are always watchable. So uh, I was glad to see that Naito was able to overcome the House of Torture uh bullshittery yeah especially since like they always throw in some real big upsets in these tournaments as well so i was like uh this will probably be the one where 
House of Torture interfere in the same way that they always do. Pimple go on and Naito would just be out of this tournament. Naito just had a match with Okada. He's probably not going to win the tournament and he's going to be out. And then when he wasn't, I was like pleasantly surprised. So. That was my if you if you listen to the Faces and Feel New Japan Cup date uh, episode. That was my immediate reaction upon seeing the bracket was, oh god, they're going to have Takahashi beat Naito. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you sounded quite despondent when you heard that. So uh, yeah, that didn't definitely. happen, and we're on to the next one. Uh, and this match, like I said, I feel like this is my match of the year so far in a year that's already had some really great matches from many different promotions. But man. Desperado versus Okada. Um, they're two of my favorite wrestlers, if not maybe my two favorite wrestlers, at least in New Japan. And dude, right from the start, this was just killer. Like from uh, from Despy like comparing their heights and Okada smirking down at him to just then like the tenacity of uh, Desperado just mauling him, just constantly mauling him and keeping on going. Yeah, I think some of the things that you can see out of Desperado is fire and desire like there's there's nobody in new japan that is able to compete with such ferocity as el desperado uh everything he does and like i usually hate people who sell by screaming uh will osprey used to be really bad about this where instead of selling he would just scream at the top of his lungs and i hated it el desperado does scream he does like a scream cell but he, he his comes with a his comes from deep within him it's not just him screaming to sell like oh my knee hurts he's he's letting out this like otherworldly howls uh of of frustration or pain or uh you know he kind of like frank he's doing right now <laughs> kind of like my dog is doing right now so maybe i should let him out shit and yeah, absolutely. He just, um, yeah, it, it comes from like a real place instead of like somebody like uh, just pretending to be mad or, you know, give that, you know, New Japan fire and that kind of stuff. And then he, another real cool thing about him, which is a thought that just struck me, is that like when you think of him in the junior division, he tends to be like dominant, right? Because he's kind of one of the, I, I think, more physically imposing juniors you know like he's really well built and stuff and and can be like a bully and bigger and stuff but in this particular match he played like the smaller scrappier fiery guy really well as well you know on the uphill battle he can do both sides of that game really well and this match was a perfect example of somebody doing that so well you've got the champion he's so dominant he's cocky and then Desperado really sort of has no chance to beat him, you would think, even though he's the best in the juniors. But by the time this match was said and done, you, you thought it could maybe happen because the titles weren't on the line. It, it's the New Japan Cup. It could be an opportunity to, you know, just get Okada out of it, give a, a rub to El Desperado, and, like, something could happen, you know? And when you get to, like, that ending sequence and stuff, it... it almost felt like that you know i couldn't even believe where it ended i thought it was going to end quite a few times before that you know it, yeah. get, it gets to that point where okada's got him in the um the the money clip uh and he's um oh what, 
Yeah, I'll tell this part first. Yeah, so he's got him in the money clip, and and he's basically dead, and it's like it's a complete wrap. Uh, but then Okada's like, nah, fuck this guy, because he's like so pissed off at him. And so then he physically picks him up and like makes him eat a rainmaker, and then eat a rainmaker. But then next, when he goes for it, he's gone too far, and then. Uh, then, then fucking Desperado's countering it. You know what I mean? And then there was an entire other section of match that, that kept going, you know, interchanges and stuff. And that's what we were talking about, about those finishing sequences from, from Okada, where then it, it keeps going and it almost feels like in the end that Okada's lucky to win, you know, where at that point, because he was sort of being cocky and he was like, this little fucker's been giving me like a right one I'm going to show him, he ended up sort of, his hubris almost sort of cost him because Desperado was never going to stop coming. Yeah, Desperado, like I said, the fire and tenacity for him, and the the fact he just, he's never intimidated. Nah. You've got, you've got like Desperado, I mean, he was six inches shorter than Okada. He's given up, it's got to be 50 pounds or something of, of, of weight differential. And he just went in there and was like, I don't give a shit. Eh. Desperado just like, radiates like confidence. giga Chad yeah, energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's so cocky and you know, we say Okada's cocky and Okada is cocky. Like to the point where he's, he's basically a tweener or a heel at, at, at some points uh, and can play that really well. Desperado, you just, you, you love to see him come out and just, walk around strut around the cock of the walk like he knew he had no chance of winning he didn't care he slapped 10 shades of shit right out of okada and it was amazing yeah and he's just working those legs working it one of my favorite spots is okada's so famous for that big drop kick bang claps his hands jumps as high as a man you know he does that and fucking desperado just swings under his legs almost like dragon screw leg whip Bang, oh, so straight good. into the numero dos, like, finisher. And I was like, holy fuck, this is the kind of stuff that happens in Okada matches. He would have been thinking about that from watching Desperado and be like, hey, there's probably a way we can do something here. And, dude, like, Okada looks like he's going to die. You know what I mean? He's, like, in pain and it's just something like... It was just great. I didn't get a chance to watch it multiple times. I only got a chance to watch it yesterday, um, just the once. So you've probably got a little bit better grasp of the whole match than me, but I was just left going, what a show. And it just, like, both guys look like a million bucks after it. Well, it's the yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like we said, the, the way that Okada is able to progress his matches from, from start to finish those, those amazing, exciting finishes and the way that I like, no one can physically tell a story like Desperado. So you have those two, like at the peak of their game right now, Desperado's on top of his game and getting better. And Okada is, he's king of the mountain right now. So you have two dudes who are just on another level. And the the thing that they were able to put together was otherworldly. It was so good. And yeah, th- like you said, the the uh, drop kick to dragon screw leg whip right into the stretch muffler numero dos. Oh my God. So good. I don't want to break down like move by move by move, but like there's sometimes, sometimes you see things where you go, Jesus Christ, what was that? Yeah. You know, like, and, and like Okada is so long and rangy, you know, that like when, when he's got Okada's legs over his shoulder and he's like trying to, 
grab his arms and like twist him. And it was just like, he's got this dude in a pretzel. That's yeah. the world champion. That's the best wrestler on the planet. And death Brado's like working. It. Wrapped, so him, cool. wrapped him up into a tiny ball. Uh, Kevin Kelly had a great line in this one where a Carter's on the ground. Um, Desperado had him in that. Uh, I forget what it's called, but essentially, so their legs are wrapped together. So Desperado's on top of him and pushing down on his legs, like a really dominant position, like kind of on top of him, pushing down on Okada's cross legs. And Kevin Kelly said, "They're all um, they're all the same size on the mat. You know what I mean? The yeah. height difference doesn't matter." And that was Desperado's entire thing throughout the match. They were saying uh, that he was like saying, "Who's the junior now?" And stuff like that, you know, when he had him holding. So you can only imagine, like, the cocky shit he was saying because he's like, motherfucker, I got you where... Like, it doesn't matter if you're six inches taller because down here we're equal and I'm going to wrap you up and there's nothing you can do about it kind of thing. And it was awesome. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and yeah it, uh, I love as well... Sorry to c- cut you off, but I love as well how New Japan aren't afraid to fucking end matches clean. You know what I mean? Yep. A lot of American wrestling and stuff, that match would end because there was a a run-in or a roll-up and, oh, we've protected both guys and stuff like that. No, Okada is the champion of the world. Of course he's going to beat the junior heavyweight champion, and that's just it. You know what I mean? It doesn't take away from Desperado. He got very close, and everybody respects him for his effort. But you can lose in New Japan and not be a loser, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you don't need to worry about protecting both guys when both men are champions yeah. a champion versus champion match it's it's not a unification there's no way that not, that uh, okada is ever going to be a junior the dude's humongous yeah, yeah right so like you don't have to worry about uh, a wonky way of having a distraction roll up like wwe does 14 times a week mm-hmm. you know you don't have to worry about that nonsense and I think that's part of why people hate the house of torture so much is because it takes away from those clean finishes that people expect. Mm-hmm. But like you've said, you'll, you'll argue that, uh, you know, distractions and things and, and run-ins and shit like that has a space in wrestling and it does, but whatever the people tune into new Japan because they want to see the best versus the best. And they want to know who the best is. Mm-hmm. And that's what was proven here. We had the best junior in the world right now some people think and they had the best wrestler in the world right now definitively bar none no one better i'll say it again no one better than okada and you know those two went at it for 30 minutes they had an absolute monster of a match and um I'm, i might watch it again before i go to bed it's two thirteen in the morning i might watch it again before i go to bed <laughs> Jesus, 2.13, I forget. It's uh, 10.13 a.m. here. So this is the sacrifice that Curtis gives for the Okada Shorts podcast. And it's greatly appreciated, man. It's been super fun doing this with you. Um, I don't think... I was going to say, should we preview the remaining matches of the New Japan Cup? But I don't think we'll do that. We already broke down the whole thing. If anybody wants to listen to the first cup date, we, we did all that. I think in a fortnight, we're coming back together. We're going to talk about the overarching run of the New Japan Cup, and we'll talk about who the finalists are going to be and what that final show is going to look like. And I think that is going to be super fun. Yeah, man, I'm really excited about it. The um, some, some of the matches, I think we've, so far, as far the, the first round is over, 
and we're halfway through the second round as we speak. Uh, but I don't think we've we've missed one yet. I think we're doing pretty good on our on our pickums as far as predictions go. We haven't really had that big upset yet. Oh, really? So it's okay. coming. It's coming. It's coming. Well, exactly right. I, I think uh, I think they'll definitely throw a few spanners in the works as it as it plays out. So I look forward to seeing where they go, and I'm looking forward to a banger final. I I think there's a potential there for some amazing stuff. I've seen a few clips of some of the matches that have since happened, you know, on the other side of the block and things like that. I've got a few matches circled. Um, and, yeah, I can't wait to see it all play out. I might oh, there's, go watch there's some more. There's one coming soon. Yeah. There's yeah. one coming soon that I'm so excited for, man. Yeah. Oh. It's going to be awesome. So tell you what, let's tell the people where to find us uh, and we'll go from there. You can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Okada Shorts. We got it. Nobody else had it. Who can even believe it? So Who would have thought that? I thought it was very popular. Okada Shorts, number one boutique Christmas gift item. Yeah, exactly. If you're not sure how to spell Okada Shorts, it is at symbol O-K-A-D-A-S-S-H-O-R-T-S at Okada Shorts. Find us on Instagram, uh, and you're also going to find us on the Count Out Network. The nice people there are going to be posting all our episodes and doing our editing for us because we're both very busy people who already do podcasts. So creating another one is insane. So thank you to the team at Countout, and we're looking forward to churning out tons of New Japan content. Anything to say to the people? Tell the people where to find all your other stuff, Curtis, since you do like 50 other podcasts. Ooh. Okay, so uh, my other podcast, as I mentioned before, I have a uh, wrestling podcast where I uh, talk with a friend of mine uh, called Smart Foundation. We talk about current wrestling, retro wrestling, all sorts of things, anything that just kind of gets us uh, tickled. I also have a gaming podcast where I talk about things like tabletop role-playing games um, and wargaming, Warhammer 40K, Dungeons & Dragons, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, that one is called Throw and Dice. You can find us on uh, anywhere we can find this podcast. You should be able to find those too. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at LDestructo83. I'm also at Twitter at LDestructo83. I'm very active on both of those social media platforms. So please come and find me and tell me I'm wrong about something so I can block you. <laughs> Fair enough. And myself, uh, I do another podcast called Faces and Feels. It's a pro wrestling podcast where I interview wrestlers is mostly what I do. Sometimes I'll put in bonus episodes like I did the New Japan Cup date recently with Curtis. Uh, or occasionally my friends will come over and we'll eat some snacks and watch All Elite or something like that. And we'll do you know a group episode about it. But mostly it's me uh, interviewing wrestlers. I have really uh, extensive library uh, now, especially within the deathmatch wrestling community, uh, I've been lucky enough to speak to some of the greats as far as that goes. Uh, I've even got some interview with New Japan wrestlers such as Robbie Eagles. Um, and so, yeah, that one's keeping on, keeping on. I was about to be episode 100 this week, uh, but unfortunately my wife has been sick. So I'm going to hold off on that until I can give it my full attention. Um, and so, yeah, you can find faces and feels on all of your reliable social media platforms. So same place you would find, I mean, podcasting platforms. So the same place you would find this and you can find me on social media at faces feels cast. And that's it, man. We've done it. That's it. Victorious. It. Number one. Number one. Uh, it's the 
first step in a new journey. Yeah, exactly. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to what we're going to do here. Uh, there's obviously a lot of great podcasts that do New Japan content in a lot of detail. Huge shout out to the Super J Cast. Uh, I wasn't going to do. Yeah, I wasn't going to do a New Japan podcast because uh, I feel like they're the absolute best at it. But what we're going to do is just our own spin of two friends having fun and watching New Japan. So hopefully we can uh, walk in our own lane and uh, yeah, do some maybe even some crossovers with those guys down in the future. I'd love to uh, hang out with Joel and Damon and and yeah, just generally share the love of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yep, sounds good to me, man. I I definitely think that this is going to be a lot of fun. I love New Japan with all my heart. Uh, and anyone who listens to my other podcast, the Smart Foundation, can definitely tell you, you know, when when my co-host starts talking about the current American wrestling and things like that, I kind of just ask questions. You know, I don't really know much about what he's talking about, but when it comes to New Japan, I will uh, I'll be there all day. You're about it, absolutely, man. Well, damn right. Okay. Well, normally, if it was my podcast, I know my sign-off. Uh, we don't really have a sign-off yet. So what are we going to say? What's our, what's our hot new tagline? Sayonara. Sayonara from Okada Shorts. Goodbye, goodbye from the shorts. <laughs> Keep it short. <laughs> Keep it short. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Workshopped it. Found it. There we go. Okay. For a two-hour podcast, how did I keep it short? <laughs> We're not keeping it short at all. Okay, so from Curtis and from Rafe, remember, always keep it short. This has been a Count Out Podcast.